Joy Taylor and this is a funny thing happened. I'm your host, Joy Taylor. I just remembered something so funny that happened when we lived in San Francisco. Uh, many things happened in San Francisco, but this story, and if, you, if it's not too long, listen to the end because what happened is just unbelievable, like all of my stories. Anyway, uh, we moved to San Francisco because Dean, my husband, was offered a job uh, on a Tim Burton film, Nightmare Before Christmas. If you've listened to earlier podcasts, you would know that, or if you know me, you would know that. Anyway, we moved We moved to San Francisco in 1991. Uh, we were there a couple of years while he worked on uh, Nightmare in Six Street Studios. But the story isn't about that. This story is about alarms. And if you... Uh, in 1991 in Australia, we didn't even, I, I never even locked the back door. Like I didn't lock the back door. The door was always open in case friends dropped by. I mean, we'd locked it at night. But so alarms were like a foreign concept to me. I never had an alarm. I never wanted an alarm. We would laugh at alarms that went off you know, in cars, Dean and I would just go, nobody's taking any notice. Why would you even have it? Like it it just didn't make sense because everyone would just walk past anyway. And uh, so that, yeah, the whole alarm thing was um, just foreign to me. So when we moved to San Francisco, Dean went ahead of us. We were living at uh, living in Crow's Nest in a two-story house and we had a studio across the road and he got a call from Henry Selleck telling Dean that he had the job on Nightmare Before Christmas and that he had to get there ASAP. So I stayed behind and um, packed up the house and studio um, and Dean went ahead and he his only job, well, apart from Nightmare, was um, to find us a nice house in a nice area but mostly the most important thing was that the schools were really good. Anyway, forward three months, he was there three months working on the film before I arrived with the kids and he picked us up from the airport and we drove across the Golden Gate Bridge, which I remember being so really exciting just to be going across the, that bridge, having seen it in so many movies. God, that bridge is beautiful. And uh, so we get to the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge and we uh, drive through uh, Sausalito, which is beautiful. And then a couple of suburbs on is a place called Mill Valley, which really is just the most picturesque place. It's close to Muir Woods and it's all beautiful pine trees and Oh, it's just a stunning, stunning place. I mean, he really did pick a little piece of paradise for us to live in for the next couple of years while he worked on the film. So anyway, we drive up this mountain. Now, right to the top of the mountain is uh, a road called uh, Country Club Road, and it, it's actually looking over the golf course. So it was all very pretty with lots of, oh, it's just beautiful, lots of pine trees and all sorts of um animals we'd never seen before and then we pull up to the house and the house had an incredibly steep driveway and as we as we were dropped off and dropped off all our luggage and everything we walked into the house and uh, I remember walking into the front door and the first thing I saw was this alarm system that I'd never seen anything like it. Remember, this is quite a while ago, like 25 years ago. So <laughs> it was this alarm system on the right-hand side that was like a keypad with all letters and numbers and above it was a screen and I just thought, wow, that's full on. And then I forgot about that that and walked into the lounge room and there was a the most incredible view of the golf course and we were looking across 
the other mountain on the other side and the golf course this incredible view of Mill Valley so it was it was beautiful it was just beautiful I think Gypsy was about 12 so Eddie was let me work this out he was five and Ginger was one so there I had the three kids up a mountain and with this alarm system that terrified me and the story is about the alarm system because having come from a country where we did we weren't really scared then I mean I'm not scared now really I mean I feel pretty safe in Australia but Whoever lived in this house was terrified because there was a a red panic button above the bed and there was a a red panic button about, you know, about a, I guess it was quite big. It was like a square, an inch square above the bed right by the pillows and above um, the kitchen cupboard there was another panic button and apparently it went straight through to the police. So the police would come immediately after this panic button went off. You know, that kind of concerned me because I thought, why do we need a panic button? I mean, seriously, this has got me a little bit worried. Anyway, I thought I'm going to have to cover them up because, you know, five-year-old Eddie's going to press the big red button and I was pretty sure Ginger would as well. So I covered them up with boxes and I taped all around it and I thought, you know, even with that, Eddie's going to pull that off and press that button. I just knew that he would. So I rang the landlord straight away and she was, she wasn't nice. She was not a nice lady and and she was a lawyer to boot. So we never got that bond back. Anyway, I rang her and I said, oh, Wendy, if, if it's no trouble, do you mind if I disconnect the panic buttons? Because I'm worried my son will press them. And I said, we'll have them reconnected again when we leave. And she said, no, you can't disconnect that and you can't disconnect the other. She said, I'll come and show you how to use everything so that you, you know, it's quite complicated. And I said, oh, okay, well, you can do that. But I thought in my head, I'm still going to disconnect those two red buttons because they're going to go off. I knew it. Anyway, Wendy came up and she showed me how to work the alarm system and she's there. Now, this is really important and I I can't even believe this. um, It's a wonder I didn't leave the country right then. But she said, if you're coming down the driveway and you see a blue light above the house, like there's a light, she said, that means somebody's broken into your house. So don't go down and don't go in there because somebody's broken in. And she said, and then, this is my favorite bit, she, she said, if you come down the driveway, which was quite steep and it was a little bit remote, this house, even though you were um, in Mill Valley, the other houses were, it's, you couldn't see them because of all the trees and everything. Anyway, she said, so if, if you come down the driveway, park the car and you're walking towards the house and someone jumps out of the bushes and holds a knife at your throat or has a gun and I'm just thinking, are you serious? I want to grab my three kids and just go back home to Australia. This is ridiculous. And she said, so if that happens, and I said, has that ever happened? Has that ever happened to you? And she said, oh, no, it's never happened, but I like to be on the safe side. I go, okay. And uh, so she said that if that did happen, that I was to put in these other numbers, and I'm dyslexic, so this was really difficult for me. She said, she said just remember, it's an L shape. So you go the top L shape if uh, nobody has a gun at your head uh, and then that lets you in it turns off the alarm and the go the L shape the other way if someone has you know is threatening you then <laughs> I can't even believe I'm telling this story it was so ridiculous and she said so if somebody's there and uh, uh, you just put in the other L shape and so that goes straight to the police station in Mill Valley and they know that there's 
big problem and they will come immediately and, you, you know, so they know. And I went, okay, that's great to know. Can I disconnect that as well? And she said, no, it's in the lease. You can't disconnect anything at all because, you know, we. I want my house to be safe. And I said, well, I want uh, my family to not be paranoid. <laughs> but there was no getting through to her. And she, she said if we didn't, if we tried to disconnect anything, she would cancel our lease. So I kept the alarm, but I did disconnect those two buttons because I just thought what she doesn't know won't hurt her. But then the alarm system turned out to be a huge problem, <laughs> huge. But the first of many times that the police came to this house in Mill Valley, the first one was, let me remember, that's right, it was my fault. I We were there a day. And I went downstairs and it was a huge house with huge appliances and I went downstairs to check out the washing machine and dryer. Dean was home. It was a weekend, obviously. He wasn't at work. Kids were all upstairs and I went downstairs to check out the what the situation in the basement and I opened a window and the alarm went off. I opened a window to look at a deer. There was this little Bambi bouncing around outside and I went, oh my God, it's so cute. I opened the window and this alarm was so loud I jumped out of my skin I ran upstairs and Dean said how do we turn it off how do we turn it off I'm there I don't know I don't know how to turn it off what are we doing everyone's running around the kids run out the front because they're going it's too loud it's too too loud so I've no idea who to phone how to turn it off nothing and the next thing this cop comes running down the driveway running down the driveway is everything okay is everything okay and I went out the front I said look it's a false alarm I'm so sorry and then he showed us how to turn it off and he said look you need to know to call us straight away he said otherwise there'll be a call out fee every time we have to come you know we'll have to charge you because you know taking up good police but he was really friendly his name was Mal I remember his name and he was so lovely he goes oh what school are the kids going to and he told us that he'd grown up in Mill Valley and he was incredibly friendly incredibly handsome I was just we all thought he was pretty gorgeous anyway he was just the nicest guy and he said look just make sure the next time the alarm goes off that you call the station and I, I thought well I'll make sure that I've got all those details next to the phone and he said because you know you have a few minutes to call in uh, great okay we're set so there's, oh, don't worry it won't happen again <laughs> famous last words off off mal goes up the driveway so anyway that was the first time it went off the second time it went off was actually unbelievable because we didn't even know that ginger knew the number to the police station or or she didn't know 911. I don't know where she heard it. I don't know where she saw it. Uh, to this day, we don't know how she had 911 in her head, whether she saw it on the TV. I've no idea whether it was random. But I was out in the front garden one day with Eddie and the next thing, four cops come running down the driveway. And I looked up there and I'm there, Mal, there's there's no breaking, there's no breaking because he's first coming down. And he said, your alarm's gone off again. I go, no, I can't hear it. Um, and he goes, oh, no, th there's a little girl on the phone. She's called 911. And we look in the kitchen, we look, turn around, look in the kitchen, Ginger's on the phone still talking and he's on a walkie-talkie and he's there. We've got, uh, they've got the little girl on the phone and I'm there, oh, my God, I can't even believe she's called 911. This is in, like embarrassing apart from the fact that this is really bad so the, the other three cops leave and Mal said look 
we won't charge you this time. He said, it, it looks like it was an honest mistake. And I go, I don't even know how the kid knows 911. Like in Australia, it's triple O. And I don't even think she knows that. And I said, any of you? And Eddie said, no, mum has got nothing to do with me. I was with you in the front yard. Like he's usually the one in trouble. So he has a little chat with us and he goes, look, you know, next time we're going to have to charge you. We're going to have to charge you. I go, I know. I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, look, we're getting the alarm disconnected because I just don't want it to go off. And he said, well, that's not a good, good idea to have the main alarm disconnected because if ever there is a break in, you know, you, what, you will want to be safe. So he taught me out of it. So he kept that stupid freaking alarm. Anyway, <laughs> the next time it went off, the next time it went off, I'm trying to remember all the times I should have written it down. The next, I mean, it went off so many times, I probably won't tell you all of them. But the next time I remember it going off was I set it off somehow. How did I set it off? I can't remember. I don't know if I opened the front door and it went off and I didn't get to the phone quick enough. And he came, Mal came and he said, you know, we're going to start thinking that this is not the real deal pretty soon. And I go, look, I seem like this crazy lady that just wants company or just wants to see you because you're handsome or whatever. And I'm then, no, I'm so sorry. It's totally an accident. And then I haven't got to it quick enough. And thank goodness we'd had those panic buttons disconnected. So anyway, he goes off. And I think that there was three or four times it had gone off and a couple of times I made it to the phone and uh, called them and said, false alarm, false alarm. Uh, and what would happen, I'd, we'd go to leave the house and it, you actually, it would say, uh, it, running in running writing across the top of the alarm, it would say downstairs window, uh, bedroom window open uh, or uh, upstairs living room window not closed proper whatever it would tell you so you, you'd have to check that but meanwhile I'm getting getting really jumpy right from so jumpy from this alarm going off all the time because we just weren't used to it and if you didn't get to it quick enough it would go off oh my gosh it was just a nightmare anyway so forward about six months and a friend of ours comes over Chris Haig from Sydney he was an animator as well and he had a job at another animation place called Colossal and Dean had offered for him to stay with us so he moved in with us and he would set off the alarm all the time. Like he would have a shower and the first time he had a shower and he came out and the steam rushed out and set off the fire alarm and it was a, it was a different one. The The police alarm would go, woo, 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 and then the uh, fire alarm would go, blah, 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 but really loud, ringing. And I would jump out of my skin and he'd go, oh, man, you know, I'm so really sorry. I've set off the alarm again. And I would call the fire. Well, the first time the fire engine came up the hill and really blasted us and the guys said, look, you know, it's really hard for us to get up the mountain and turn around again. And, you know, it's a critical fire danger area. So we have to take this seriously. Like, make sure you call. So now I needed a new number to call if the fire alarm went off which was right next to the bathroom where the steam came out so anyway that's okay I had that number Chris sent off the alarm a ridiculous amount of time so I was always calling I'm really sorry but Chris has set off the alarm so anyway while we were there there was a, a, a flat a one bedroom flat downstairs and we decided to take the flat as well with the house because if in case anybody came to stay and Chris actually rented it for a little while so he moved down there um, and then that was the the shower problem solved. Meanwhile, 
uh, God, I'm fast forwarding. Uh, anyway, it got to the point where Mal would call us after the alarm went off and say, "Listen, you know, you got to get, you got to get this sorted. You got to get this sorted." Oh, he used to. He, he started off calling us his favorite Australian family, and in the end, he did just didn't call us anything. He would just call up and say, "You need to get this alarm thing sorted." I go, "Oh no, we've just had this guy move in that sets off the alarm all the time." Oh my gosh, it was a nightmare, and we were all very very jumpy all the time so anyway that's okay then another time with the alarm I went out with my friend Ellen and we went into oh that's right we picked up the boys after school Eddie and his friend Mickey after school I had ginger Eddie and Mickey wanted to go to McDonald's so we thought oh yeah we'll go to take them to McDonald's for something to eat after school as a treat so anyway take Eddie and Mickey and I went inside this is another alarm story but this is near to when we're leaving so I went inside to order and when I came out there was this huge guy standing over Eddie and Mickey and hands on the hips really dressing them down and Eddie was upset Mickey was crying and I'm there what's happened and Ellen's just looking at me like go back inside go back inside and I came over I said what's the matter what's happened what's happened what did the boys do like have they done something wrong and Eddie should have known better, really. But the two of them, Mickey and Eddie, had gone into the phone box. We had phone boxes in America that, that far, that long ago. And they dialed 911. And Eddie should have known better just because Ginger had done it. And so this sheriff is standing there. Yeah, they have sheriffs in America, by the way. They're a different kind of cop, like really scary. He looked like he had like a crew cut and a thick neck. He, he was frightening and he was scary. He really scared the boys. And he, and he told him, oh, fair enough, because you can't do that, obviously. And I said to Eddie, what were you thinking calling 911? You know that, that you know what happened with Ginger, that's really bad. And he goes, oh, we didn't know. We thought if we called from a public phone box, it wouldn't go through. So that's that little story. But then what happened was he said, uh, "What? Yeah, he actually had a pad and pen, and he said, what's your name and address? And I said, oh, it's Joy Taylor. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to give him my address. I am not giving this guy the address because they'll just go, oh, 105 Country Club Drive. They're those crazy people that call the police all the time. We'll be in so much trouble. So I gave a fake address. I can't even believe I did that. Ellen's just looking at me, shaking her head. And I just thought, I've got to give a fake address because they'll, honestly, they're going to kick us. They're going to deport us, right? They're going to kick us out of the country. So anyway, that was the second year. And that, that alarm had gone off so many times and so many times it had been an, it had honestly been an accident and I had had to call somebody and gone, I'm so sorry that, you know, the fire alarm just went off or that the, um, somebody saw a deer again and, you know, opened it or a skunk. Somebody, oh, yeah, that's right. Dean got sprayed by a skunk and ran in the door one night without doing the alarm. <laughs> went off. There were so many times it went off. But this is the best one. This is unbelievable and I have to set this up so you understand what happened. So we had a downstairs flat which was tiny. It was just one bedroom. We kept it for people that came to stay or, you know, Chris did rent it for a little while but he had moved out. Anyway, this downstairs flat had a huge fridge, weirdly had a huge fridge, had a, I think it had a double bed and a lounge but it was just strange. It had this big fridge and a little kitchenette and a, and a 
bathroom, a small bathroom. Anyway, it was off to the left of the basement downstairs and the basement downstairs was kind of a bit creepy because it it was big and it had a washing a huge washing machine, a huge dryer, one little window that looked out onto, you know, where the deer used to bounce by. But anyway, you'd come down the stairs and the uh, the little flat was on the left. Anyway, long story short, so so this is close to when Dean and I were moving home and uh, it was close to the end of the movie and Dean was working really long hours and I, I, I actually suggested to him that he stayed down town a couple of nights because I, I mean you look you might as well stay downtown because you've got to be at rushes in the morning at six in the morning like quite early before everyone starts and they were late nights and I'm there just have a couple of nights where you have you know a decent night's sleep in a hotel so we did that which sounds sounds odd but you know he was just exhausted that's that's what film's about my kids will tell you they were such long hours anyway so what happened with the flat it was the night that Dean had gone to stay in a hotel. He'd, he'd worked until about nine and he said, I'm just going to stay downtown, hotel close to Nightmare. And uh, I went, that's great, that's fine, no problem. So I, I loved it when he didn't come home because he didn't cook dinner. <laughs> that night, that particular night, we were, we were close to moving. I remember we were starting to pack up boxes and things for the move and uh we all went to bed and I, I don't know how late it was, but there was an earth tremor and, it, you know, we're in San Francisco and the whole time we were there, we didn't have an earthquake, but the, this tremor was, you know, a bit of a bit of a jolt side to side. Anyway, I just went back to sleep. I felt it and I went back to sleep. But then Gypsy woke up and she came into my bedroom. She goes, Mum, I heard something downstairs. I heard so I think someone's broken into the flat downstairs and I went, oh, shoot, that's scary. Like the the flat downstairs weirdly didn't have an alarm, but the rest of the house had an alarm, right? So anyway, I, I said, she and Gypsy said, I'm going to call the police. I mean, no, no, don't call the police. It's okay. We'll sort this out because they won't come. It's like the middle of the night. They will not come. They'll be so uh, upset with us for calling the police again, again. And they won't believe us anyway. So anyway, Gypsy said, but mum, I'm really scared. And she was frightened. And I, I was a little bit too, but I hadn't heard what she heard. Anyway, I stood at the door to the stair, quite a heavy door to the little apartment. So I looked down there and there was no lights on or anything. And I heard this sound like crashing. And I just went, oh, shoot. Oh, oh, no, I definitely heard that. And Gypsy freaked out. I'm calling the police. I'm calling the police. I'm there. Don't call the police. We're really safe here. We're we're safe upstairs. Like they can't get through that door. Yeah, but somebody's in the flat downstairs, and she just totally lost it and ran off. Called the police. She called nine one one while I was I had walked down the stairs. And meanwhile, I'm downstairs standing at the door with my heart banging in my chest, and she's calling nine one one because she's thinks that I'm crazy for not calling them when you can obviously hear someone's downstairs. So anyway. <laughs> she she comes back to the top of the stairs and she goes, Mum, I'm scared. I've called no mum and I went, okay, it's done now. And I was a little bit scared too because we'd heard this crashing sound and, and there was definitely something in there. And uh, so anyway, these two women, they sent us women this time. <laughs> so there was these two girls, cops, looked pretty tough. 
um, they were knocking on the front door and we answered the front door and I said, look, I know, I know we're that Australian family that call all the time. I'm so sorry, but they could see that Gypsy was really distressed and she was so upset and shaking and she, she was crying and I mean, we did, we did hear someone down there. So they came. They, first of all, they went around the whole house with big flashlights and they had batons and guns and they're, they're walking around the house with flashlights and they went down to the flat and they looked in from the outside with these flashlights and couldn't see anything. Then they come back up and they go, nobody's broken in. And I, I said, look, we definitely heard something crash. Uh, Gypsy said, the two little kids were still asleep and uh, Gypsy said, no, we no, we heard somebody in there. There's, there was definitely somebody in there. So they came down through the house and through the door into the flat and went in and they said there is nothing down here there's no door open there's no windows broken there's nothing touched there's definitely not been anybody in here and and you know they looked around and there was nothing moved nothing and I just went look we look like we're crazy and I'm there I'm so sorry and they go no it's okay they were really nice they go we can see your daughter's really distressed obviously you heard something, but maybe it was brushes outside or something. And we knew, Gypsy and I knew that it had come from the flat. And then I thought maybe there's a, a rat under the bed or something. I don't know. But anyway, we just, they locked it up and I said to Gypsy, it's okay, we'll go back to bed. Nothing, it's nothing. They've gone all over the property with flashlights and there's there's nothing broken, no door, jimmied, nothing. So we went back to bed and right when we went back to bed, that was quite a while after we heard another crash down there. So anyway, I said to Gypsy, I'm going in. I'm going in the flat. And she's screaming at me from the top of the stairs, Mom, don't go in there. And I'm there, no, there, there's nothing in there. I have to see what's happened. So I walked into, and of course, Dean's not home. He's downtown. So we didn't want to call him and upset him. So we... <laughs> I opened that door to the flat and I looked around and I thought there's got to be a critter there's probably a raccoon or a rat or something in here no couldn't see anything I just stood there for a little while I looked under the bed and it was quite a minimalist flat so there wasn't much to and I went damn it there is nothing here and then I opened the fridge door and the ice maker had, because of the, the earthquake, had gone off skew and it was making ice and dropping it to the bottom of the fridge. So the ice that, there was quite a lot of ice in there that had dropped and then it was just dropping as more ice was made. I couldn't even believe it. I just stood there and there, gypsy, gypsy, it's not a burglar, it's the ice maker. Oh, God. It was just unbelievable. And then when I left Mill Valley, I wrote a letter to the police and I said, this is the story. This is what happened with all of the alarms and I promise you not for one second was there a time when that it wasn't an accident. I know you think we're crazy. I just felt awful. I'm pretty sure Mal, by the time we left, hated, hated the Taylor family. But anyway, that's my story and that is an alarming story, isn't it? I, do you agree? <laughs> anyway, follow us on a funny thing happened podcast. I don't have any photos of this at all. That, why would I have a photo of an alarm? I can get Dean to draw the alarm because uh, he drew the last one. And uh, yeah, I just think it's just a crazy story. And speaking of crazy stories, I'm still trying to get my friend Pete to join me on my podcast and tell the story about him coming into the hospital dressed as a surgeon when I had one of the kids when I had a baby 
And it's just the most unbelievable story that I can't tell it without him because people just will not believe this happened. Anyway, uh, till next time.